Knowledge is power, and we are all about empowering the mamas of the world. In each episode, we will unravel and interpret the latest research and evidence-based practices for pregnancy, postpartum, and motherhood. As mums and researchers ourselves, we have experienced firsthand the overwhelming complexity of information, myths, and those classic old wives' tales. I'm Dr. Renee White, and this is The Science of Motherhood. Hello, and welcome to episode 65 of the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Renee White, and this is one of our Check-In Tuesday episodes. So every second Tuesday, I do a little short episode to kind of check in with you and talk about something that is either relevant to me, (laughs) most likely, um, or it's just like a little snippet of information that I found. Maybe it's a research paper that I've been reading or, you know, something that's been going on in my life. And what I wanted to talk to you today about is a little kind of diagnosis that I received after I was pregnant, after some symptoms started occurring in the second and third trimester of my pregnancy back in 2017. It is something that bamboozled me for a very long time and I saw a multitude of practitioners in order to work out what was going on because I really started to panic. And it's that classic thing of like, you know in yourself that something is not right. And not that people were dismissive, but you just were not, I was not getting to the end and the bottom of of what was actually going on. So, After I received this diagnosis, it's really interesting because once you have a name to it, you can kind of then start talking to other people about it and um, family and friends and friends of family, friends and, you know, all those six and seven degrees of separation have come out and said, oh, my goodness, I experienced the same thing and maybe that's actually what I've got I'm going to go and pursue that a little bit further and find out what is going on. Um, I will preface in saying that this is still with me, um, this particular diagnosis, and it is not going away (laughs) anytime soon. Um, So before I dive into that, I just wanted to let everyone know that If you listen to our previous episode on welcoming all of our new doulas to um, the Fill Your Cup Village, um, if you would like to work out how you are going to step into motherhood and have a really smooth transition, if you are someone who is a little bit nervous about what that looks like or you are concerned about how you're going to juggle a toddler with a newborn baby, whether your partner has a small business or you have a business yourself and you're not able to take a lot of time off and you are thinking, my goodness, how am I going to tackle this postpartum period? This is really, really going to be challenging for me. If food is your jam, if you would love for someone to come in and fold that stack of washing provide a non-judgmental ER for you to sit and nap 
and be nurtured, then a fill your cup doula is definitely for you. So we provide single sessions, fill my cup days. They're like our little top up days to just reset and recharge. But our mainstay are our six and 10 week programs that we offer families where we come in to your home and we cook beautiful meals and do all of those things. We're the Mary Poppins of mothers. So our beautiful clients have told us. And so if that sounds like something that you would be interested in exploring, please feel free to jump over to our website, ifillyourcup.com. You can book in a chat with me. We can work out how we can support you best. We are currently servicing Melbourne and Hobart and Sydney and Geelong at the moment. So if you are in one of those states or cities, uh, feel free to reach out to us. So in today's Check-In Tuesday episode, I am going to talk to you about, as I said, a diagnosis that I finally received and that has not left me at all. And I'm going to take you back to 2017 when I was in my second trimester um, of my pregnancy. And I started to kind of get a little bit of hearing loss in my left ear. And initially I was just, you know, not really kind of phased by it. You know, I just kind of thought I'm carrying a lot of fluid. (laughs) It's probably that. And then later on in my third trimester, and it would have been, I think the week before, I, I remember this, the week before I gave birth to Eva, I had this like really kind of blocked feeling in my ear. So much so that I thought it was wax. And so, you know, unbeknownst to me, and I just kind of needed a quick fix. I just got some ear drops and got my husband to pop them in, you know, covered my ear and went to bed that night. And I woke up and I was like, oh, you know, normally that would kind of fix it. And it didn't. And I just got this sense of like, oh God, you know, this is not working. I'm going to have to go get my ear flushed, you know, get the wax taken out. And so I booked an appointment with my local GP and I went in and I explained, I was like, oh, you know, I'm here to get my ear flushed. You know, it's clearly full of wax because I can hardly hear anything. So much so that, you know, when, um, you know, when you go in the shower And if you block your ears with your fingers or put your hands over your ears and you've got the water running on your head and you can kind of, it's almost like you've got headphones on and you can kind of hear the water in your head. That's what it sounded like 24-7 for me. And I just wasn't able to hear things properly out of my left ear. And and so I just thought it was full of wax. So I went to the GP, told him, "Ah, yep, going to need a flush out, you know, whatever, you know, just thought standard, standard. And obviously he had a look inside my ear and he said, did you put drops in this? And I said, yep, yep, but it's done nothing clearly. Like, can you even see anything? And he said, I can see everything in your ear. Like I can see all the way to your eardrum. There's nothing in here. And I thought to myself, oh, dear. (laughs) Houston, we've got a problem. And I said, well, that's really strange because 
I can hardly hear anything out of my ear. And I've had blocked ears before in my youth and, you know, had a really bad cold and, you know, would I had to go in and get them flushed. And that is exactly what it felt like, exactly what it felt like. And I said to him, oh, my goodness, so what do you think is going on? And he said, well, you know, you're right at the pointy end of your pregnancy. You're obviously carrying a lot of fluid. And so, you know, that's probably, it will probably restore itself. It'll all be rectified, you know, have the baby, whatever. And I thought, look, you know, that sounds like a legitimate kind of plausible reason for why I can't hear out of one ear. And so off I went. And then I obviously had Eva like the week after. And it was really interesting because I distinctly remember in the hospital not being able to hear very well. And I didn't expect things to, you know, completely change overnight after birthing her. But I think in my head, I thought, "Mm, things should start to feel a little bit better, like progressively better. And there just wasn't any change. And so it's that classic thing with mums where you just like soldier on because you've got other things to like worry about, like feeding and not getting any sleep and, oh, my God, I'm eating toast and Tim Chams 24-7. And so I think it got to like my six-week checkup and I was like, you know, classic thing, different doctor this time, but I was like, oh, you know, this hearing thing and da-da-da-da. And she's like, yeah, you know, again, you've got a lot of fluid. And I was told at the time that, you know, that is something that will probably kind of rectify itself once I stop breastfeeding. And I thought, oh my God, well, wow, that's um really interesting because, you know, I plan to breastfeed for as long as I possibly can, which, you know, in my head was looking at least 12 months. And I was like, wow, this is really crazy. Like, am I not going to be able to hear out of this ear for like at least a year? And so again, that classic thing of like, okay, I'm just going to have to live with this. You know, I want to breastfeed my baby. So, you know, if I have lost a bit of hearing in my left ear, then, you know, classic mum thing. These are the sacrifices that we make for the benefits of our children. And probably fast forward like six months, nothing had changed. Like absolutely nothing had changed. It was still as bad as it was. You know, nothing had kind of petered out. I definitely was not carrying as much fluid as I was during pregnancy. And I was like, this is really weird. There is something else going on here. And I ended up going to see um, an ear, nose and throat specialist because I really started to panic that there was something fundamentally wrong, had the classic, you know, just to make sure that nothing was kind of, nothing sinister was happening maybe in my nose that was kind of blocking or making something change in my ears. I had, you know, the camera down my nose type of thing, nothing there, had my ears checked again, nothing there. And then I really started to catastrophize the situation and I thought to myself, 
oh my God, I've got a brain tumor. (laughs) And I know some of you will be sitting there going, geez, Renee, how dramatic. (laughs) But honestly, I was like, no one can find what's going on. It's got to be something in my head, like physically something in my head, not just mentally something in my head. And so I demanded to have an MRI because I was convinced that there was some sort of tumor pressing on a nerve or something like that in my ear. And we all know how difficult it is to juggle children and medical appointments and things like that. And it was just this huge, arduous task to kind of get an MRI and go in. And it was the first time I've ever had one. And for all those playing at home, if you have had one, you know what I'm talking about here. And if you haven't, close your eyes. Like, I don't do well in close in fine, confined spaces. And so that is very, very confined space. So I went for the MRI. They couldn't find anything. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, that's kind of an alleviated response because I clearly don't have a tumor, but I'm still not at the bottom of what is going on. And then I changed GPs because I was like, okay, I need someone to really hear me. And it's that classic thing where you've got that, you know, women's intuition and you're like, there is something going on. And so I I am a huge believer of if you do not get the answer that you are looking for, you find someone who will listen to you and hear you and respect you and explore with you what it is that is going on. And so I found this wonderful GP and I explained my symptoms to her and I said, I want to go and get my hearing tested. She was like, let's go back to basics. Like, let's go get your hearing tested. Let's make sure, like, let's get a benchmark. Where are you at? What's going on? And one of the things that I want to share with you is an insight that she gave me as a GP, which I found very, very interesting. When she was selecting a hearing test facility for me, she told me about, I guess, the audiology industry. And she said, I just need you to be really clear that you need to understand that audiologists, some which are not independent, actually get kickbacks from organisations and companies who sell hearing aids. And so you need to be really careful with what hearing test clinic you actually choose. And I had been to other hearing test clinics and they had suggested to me that my hearing wasn't great. And I know from personal experience, my mum has, um, you know, genetic issues with her hearing. And so she already has a hearing aid and she's quite young. And so I was very mindful of this (laughs) rife industry. And so she sent me off to the Melbourne University audiology department because as a researcher myself, I was very happy to assist other researchers in their endeavors and learn the experience of patients. And they are fully independent. They don't get any kickbacks. They are literally just there to serve you and create some data around it. So I went along to Melbourne University and it was really, really interesting. It was one of the most comprehensive audiology tests I have ever had. And 
they identified at the time and it's really interesting. They weren't able to make a diagnosis on the spot because that is not their scope of work. They forwarded the results to my GP and then she then forwarded me on to a audiology specialist. But the diagnosis they gave me was evidently textbook. It was classic, apparently. And the diagnosis was a disorder called otosclerosis. You're probably hearing sclerosis, you know, um, osteosclerosis. We've heard that. It's got something to do with calcium and bones. And so what it turned out was that I have a disorder which typically happens in pregnancy. So women are more likely to develop otosclerosis. And what happens is that you may know about the physiology of the ear. You've got three bones in your middle ear, the stapes, the malleus, and the incus. And so the vibration of the eardrum causes the movement of these three bones. So, you know, as sound kind of travels through the ear canal, it causes the eardrum to vibrate, right? And you need those three bones in the middle ear to be able to do that. And for all those playing home, if you do trivia, (laughs) if the question is, what is the smallest bone (laughs) in a human body? It's one of these, it's one of these three bones. And so these bones move against the cochlea, so the hearing organ, and pass the vibrations to thousands of special hair cells inside it. And so those hair cells then send the sound as an electrical signal along the, the nerve to the brain. And that's where we perceive the sound. You know, the brain interprets the signal as a sound. So what happens is the otosclerosis most commonly affects the tiny bone known as the stapes. And so what happens is think of it like, you know, like a piston in the car. So it goes up and down, up and down, up and down. What happens in otosclerosis is that you get calcification of that kind of piston. And so the piston is no longer able to freely move And so it becomes quite stiff, okay? And so that means that those vibrations aren't able to occur very well and so you lose um, the ability to hear. It sounds very simple, but my goodness, it is quite a debilitating thing. So the hearing test diagnosed that I had lost about 30%. 30, 35% of the hearing in my left ear. And the interesting thing was that after I went to the ear specialist, she was telling me that, you know, I've got a few different options in order to possibly um, rectify it. If, If I don't do anything at all, I will most likely end up needing hearing aids at some stage um, if it progressively gets worse. The other alternative is that 
you can have surgery. So you actually get that stapes bone surgically removed and they replace it with a prosthesis or an artificial stapes. And so a successful operation may correct or improve the hearing loss. But again, there's no guarantees. And then, you know, there's like all surgeries, there's like a really small chance that you lose all of your hearing altogether. But one of the interesting things that I found out was that for someone like myself, where it's developed around pregnancy, if I was to have another child, the likelihood of my hearing loss progressively being lost even more so is very high. So she said, you know, you would probably get to about 50 to 60% hearing loss in your left ear and you are more likely to start to lose hearing in your right ear because you will start to get that calcification or that otosclerosis in your right ear as well. So if anyone has listened to my previous episode where I discussed around the fact that we were one and done, so that's on episode 57, that was one of the things that played into do I want to have another child or not because if I was going to, then I would absolutely need that surgery and I'm kind of a very, a bit of a scaredy cat, like I don't like not invasive things. So that's another thing that kind of played a part in are we going to have another baby or not. So I just wanted to share that with you today as my check-in Tuesday topic. As I said at the beginning of the episode, I have had people reach out Previously, after they had found out, you know, about my hearing loss and they were like, oh God, yes, I, I kind of experienced that too. And I, I wonder, you know, what is it? How did you go get along that journey? So I guess in, if you are experiencing a bit of hearing loss, you know, in, in pregnancy, yes, you know, our skyrocketing levels of progesterone absolutely can affect, you know, the hearing nerves and and things like that during pregnancy. That's well documented. That can be quite normal. But if it's something that, you know, is an ongoing thing, I would highly, highly recommend tapping in with a GP who understands what it is that you need. And if you are to engage with a hearing test um, clinic, make sure that you go with someone who is independent because some audiologists receive commissions and incentives around hearing aids. There's been an ACCC inquiry about it. The whole place needs like a full like (laughs) turn upside down because I, I personally don't think that that's right. But if you feel like you are not getting the answers that you need, try and try again. Find another practitioner who will be able to help you with that because trust your gut, okay? I knew that there was something else going on. It wasn't just about fluid retention or hormones related to pregnancy or anything like that. There was something fundamentally wrong. So if you have experienced otosclerosis, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear you know, did you roll the dice? Did you go for that second pregnancy? Have you had the surgery? How did that go? If you want to pop over to ifillyourcup.com and send me an email through our contact us page, I would love to hear more about it. Or you can slip into our DMs on Instagram at fillyourcup underscore um, and you can pop a little message in there for me. All right then, until next time, bye. 
If you loved this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you know someone out there who would also love to listen to this episode, please hit the share button so they can benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. If you would like to contact us, we are at ifillyourcup.com or you can DM us at ifillyourcup underscore via Instagram. You can find all of our services, including our postpartum in-home care and our Fill Your Freezer meal delivery service as well through both those channels. Thanks so much for listening.